This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Hi, I'm Rakesh Kamal, the host of Climate Emergency Podcast. In this episode of Climate Emergency, I sit with Arun Krishnan from the Climate Policy Initiative. I talked with him about one of the most contested issues at COP in Dubai, the global goal on adaptation. As the world gets up for outcomes from COP in Dubai, Arun sheds light on the challenges that lie ahead and the opportunities that are being missed. Gain insights into the crucial discussions surrounding climate policy, adaptation strategies, and collective efforts needed to address the urgent climate emergency. So let's hear from Arun. Uh, my name is Arun Krishnan. I work in Climate Policy Initiative. Uh, CPI is an analysis and advisory organization uh, that works in the intersection of climate and finance. Uh, globally, we are known for um, a flagship report that we do. It's called the uh, Global Landscape of uh, Climate Finance uh, a report, which we which traces the sources and uses of climate finance. Uh, it's a widely cited report. Uh, individually, I take care of a program called. Uh, the Global Innovation Lab for Climate Finance. Mm-hmm. I, I head the India chapter of that. It's a it's an incubator for innovative climate finance ideas. So we are trying to grow climate finance instruments in India, the innovation in that, and I head that initiative. Great. Uh, global goal of adaptation is something that's being spoken a lot in the climate negotiations here in COP. Uh, so can you maybe define a little bit about you know what global goal of adaptation is? Adaptation is. Uh, in the context of addressing climate change? Sure. Um, in the Paris Agreement, they decided that, you know, adaptation is something which needs to have goals mm-hmm. and therefore the global goals on adaptation was born. But the action on it has been slow over the years. Mm-hmm. The action picked up pace uh, when the, you know, uh, the Glasgow and Sharm el-Sheikh events happened. Uh, so they set up a Glasgow Sharm el-Sheikh working group, mm. which has met a number of times in the last two years, and which uh, which is about to culminate in uh, the uh, announcement made in COP28. Uh, so the, the the draft declaration that you see uh, is a result of the work which has been done uh, by this group and of course other uh, groups as well. Uh, so basically... The Paris Agreement identifies that adaptation is important and you require certain approaches to it, certain frameworks, financing and so on. So how do we implement that, operationalize that? That is the uh, that is what the global goal on adaptation is about. So, um, but the announcement that has been made falls short. Uh, I will explain in your subsequent qu- uh, questions, yes. but yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. Yes, I mean, uh, one thing that uh, many people might also think is, you know, uh, when you talk about climate change mitigation and adaptation, two major components, uh, mitigation is something that is very measurable. And, you know, uh, we have stock take that is happening right now in Dubai, which also will address it. Uh, whereas adaptation, you know, measuring of adaptation is something that people struggle with because adaptation can mean, you know, uh, like building walls so that, uh, see erosion doesn't happen uh, or, you know, building uh, climate resilient infrastructure and things like these. How do you measure it? Uh, yeah, so I think the it is measurable. Right? Let's get that clear. Mm. The problem is we have not uh, defined it. Mm. 
So only if we define it can we measure it, right? So mitigation projects being prospective, you have defined it and therefore you are saying that you'll be able to measure it. But adaptation projects are the right year and right now. How do you measure it? Uh, so then comes the question of defining what the adaptation is and the taxonomy, uh, the financial taxonomy that goes with it, right? So that is something, again, this um, uh, GGA has not really defined, right? So, and there needs to be more work done on it so that it can be defined and only if you define, can you measure it. Mm. So I'll give a very practical example. A measurable thing is temperature, right? Temperature, yeah. humidity, yes. dry bulb, wet bulb, temperature and so on, right? These are measurable things. So we can very well say that human habitation is possible only at this temperature. Beyond this, you require, uh, you know, passive cooling or mechanical cooling uh, or uh, below this, you require heating and so on, right? So that is something which is measurable. And mm -hmm. also you can take measures of the ambient temperature and mm -hmm. say that, okay, this is not fit for human uh, habitation. We need to adapt, mm -hmm. right? So like, like this, you can come up with metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, the human... The limit of human imagination is unlimited. Yeah. Um, but you need to define it first. Mm. Yeah. Agree. Agree. I mean, even in mitigation, you know, you can't measure unless, you know, carbon equivalence or carbon dioxide equivalence. You mean it. Yeah. Anyway, so what are, uh, you know, some of the key challenges that individuals and communities face uh, when adapting to, adapting to impacts of climate change? I think, uh, you know, we need to look at it from a very uh, human-centric perspective or human or, you know, even animal-centric perspective or crop-centric perspective for that matter. That, um, going back to your previous question, again, one of the problems is because we are looking at it from a project perspective mm -hmm. rather than from a human perspective, mm -hmm. right? So now, when you shift the focus to human perspective, then the challenges become pretty clear, right? So mm -hmm. what are the challenges the vulnerable communities face? I'll take the recent example of the Chennai floods, yeah. right? Uh, obviously, I mean, it's uh, once in a, uh, I wouldn't say a once in a 50 year or 100 year, because when you look at the numbers, it looks like it's once in every five years, yeah. these kind of uh, heavy rain and subsequent flooding events, okay? So, of course, uh, you face challenges because of that, right? Now, how do you design around that? That is the question. How does government and private sector and individuals respond and design around that is the question. Okay, so here the measurable metric is, uh, let's say 300 mm of rainfall or above every day, in a day, is un makes it uninhabitable. Yeah. Right. So then you design a stormwater drain around that. You design nature-based solutions around that and so mm -hmm. on. Okay. Um, yeah, so heat, uh, water, Rising sea levels, you know, uh, desertification, all of these are challenges which vulnerable communities and almost all humans face, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a two-part question. How can uh, technology play a role and what is the role of finance in supporting these technologies? Okay, two big questions. So, <laughs> I'll start with technology. Okay, so, um, you know, a lot of responses to adaptation requires improvisation. I mean, we call Jugad in India, but uh, maybe we need to structure it a little bit better. Um, okay, so let's say uh, there is a slum in India. What do they do 
I mean, they literally have a roof over their head and the roof is made of tin sheets or mm. uh, PVC panels or whatever, right? Now, uh, you know, how they, with increasing heat, obviously a tin sheet uh, will not, uh, is not a comfortable place to live in. Yeah. Uh, so then you need to adapt and maybe change the tin to PVC, right? Mm. So, or maybe change it to some other material. Mm. So the material which is yet to be ma- mass manufactured, mm. okay? That is a technological change. Technology does not mean creating, uh, you know, mm. uh, silicon chips which are less than five <laughs> nanometer. It means mm. it. It means you you create something new, which may be cost effective, or it also means you scale up solutions which are right now very artisanal, mm. right? Um, an example of that can be, um, of course, this is not uh, relating to climate. It's more about uh, it can relate to climate, but the amount of plastic waste in India is increasing or globally it is increasing. Now, there are some approaches in India where you convert the plastic waste into uh, fuel for a power station, refuse derived fuel, they call it. Or maybe you mix it with bitumen and you lay the roads. Mm. But these approaches, they are technological in- increments and improvements, but they are very artisanal in nature, mm. right? So you don't find them scaling up. Mm. And that is where our problem is that we need to, I think in India, a technological approach will probably be less about newer materials, newer technologies, but more about scaling up existing solutions, which are known to work. Mm. Okay. The cool roofs policy of Telangana is an example. You had the solution. It is quite cheap. Maybe there may be other paints which are improved, uh, uh, which are invented, which can cool a you know a house better but right now we have something but how do you scale it up mm-hmm. and that is where the finance aspect of it comes into picture because um you know finance is also about piloting approaches but it's also about scaling up mm-hmm. and making things more accessible to people okay so uh, we require an adaptation does not give you a market rate of return uh, it necessarily has to be about government funding it, MDBs at a concessional rate, uh, philanthropies and so on, right? The funding approaches, uh, creating innovative uh, financial instruments across the board, be it debt, equity, insurance, what have you, and scaling it up, mm-hmm. right? And a good thing about scaling up things is that maybe if you scale it up, it might become bankable in the, in the, in the sense that you don't require con- uh, uh, concessional finance anymore it can uh, you know uh, maybe it can operate at a at a normal rate of interest right mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the example can be the cool roofs policy let's say for example a specific type of paint is used for a cool roof yeah. or a specific type of tile is used for a cool roof mm. initially the technology co- the cost will be higher yeah. right but as you scale up scale up scale up the incremental cost reduces mm-hmm. and therefore the cost for consumers also reduces. We have seen that with LED bulbs. LED bulbs is a perfect example. Yeah. Perfect example. It's a good example because of multiple factors. I mean, obviously, when people adopt more LED bulbs, the rate of the bulb comes down, the price of the bulb comes down. But that requires an initial government push. And that is what the Indian government did very well. Yeah. Right. So they, uh, they created that push so that the adapt- adaptation becomes wider mm. and therefore the price comes down and then market forces take over from mm. there, there onwards. So do you think uh, there are any other uh, you know, examples where you think that government can push 
or adaptation measure. Like you said, you know, I think even for cool roofs, the government can push uh, just like, you know, to scale it up. What are the, any other examples that you can think of yeah. which you think will... So the save? government has to push in everything, right? Uh, um, the cool roof policy. Uh, so let's let's start with different sectors. I will, I will lay out different sectors. Uh, let's start with, uh, you know, built up uh, area, the real estate sector, commercial real estate. So some of the approaches there can be materials, building materials. So India already has a tradition of using indigenous materials, uh, materials which are local. Uh, and now we also have these uh, hollow bricks and so on, which are which provide good insulation. So the question is to scale it up, right? Hollow bricks solution has already been scaled up, but other so solutions can be scaled up. You bring in aspects into the design code, okay, which is something which the government can do mm. in order to increase the adoption of passive cooling. Mm. Another cheap technology which is available today is to embed water pipes within the flooring, within the walls, mm -hmm. and then you circulate grey water through, the, through them. Mm. Okay, so that it absorbs uh, the radiant uh, heat, the, the, the heat, basically, not the radiant heat, but mm -hmm. the, the, the con con conventional heat. Mm. Uh, so, here, uh, the, 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 it, it, it kills two, two uh, you know, birds in one stone, so to speak. Grey water reuse is there, water is being reused, and the cooling also happens. Most of the heating of a building happens because the building itself absorbs the heat. Yeah. Okay. So when you reduce that, then your uh, obviously your uh, cooling bills come down. Okay. So built-up area requires material approaches. It requires these engineering approaches as well. And of course, you have mechanical cooling. And mechanical cooling, uh, the government has to set standards in terms of ACs, yeah. but also bring in district cooling, mm. which you see in COP28 in Dubai, you yeah. see district cooling deployed in a massive way. Yeah. Right. So those approaches should be uh, there in India as well because they bring in more efficiency and so on. So that's a built-up area. Let me quickly go through the other areas as well. Agriculture, the government, of course, has to do research and it is doing research on drought-resistant seeds. Yes. It also has to bring in, you know, a, a change in consumption patterns and change in cropping patterns from water-intensive crops like paddy and uh, sugarcane to millets and so on, yeah. right? And also in terms of uh, city urban design as well as well as afforestation drives etc. <coughs> Sorry, you need to create. Uh, you need to um, use native species which consume less water, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the opposite of that is eucalyptus trees. Right? Mm -hmm. Eucalyptus trees are while they are very nice, they give a eucalyptus oil and all, but they are extremely water intensive, yeah. right? So. You should not be planting or maybe you should also be removing eucalyptus tree and replacing with uh, species which consume less water. Mm. And so this is agriculture. Uh, let's come to the urban areas. You have nature-based solutions. It can be for urban, it can be for rural areas as well, where you have water, water bodies which have to be preserved and they also bring down the temperature in terms of uh, the ambient area, in, the, in terms of the surrounding areas. Uh, then you have uh, uh, wetlands which act as a sponge mm. to remove flooding, to reduce flooding, right? So, there are other nature-based approaches as well, which the government has to encourage. Um, and also in urban areas, uh, heat adaptation is important. Uh, heat is, I mean, uh, the temperatures are soaring, uh, yeah. the vulnerable people are being in, uh, impacted. So, the government has to bring in programs, financing solutions, etc. to reduce the impact of this, right? 
think about a slum area where you can have a common area where which is air conditioned yeah. through solar panels or something right mm-hmm. so that is an adaptation approach mm-hmm. and uh, you this reduces the uh, people in the slums from installing air conditioning yeah. which might be air conditioning is no longer a luxury business yeah, right yeah. it has become a necessity okay. and and even for the most vulnerable yeah. right so well, if the government does common areas like this it might be useful um so like this there are you know multiple areas in which you can think of adaptation and the government de- definitely has an important role to play in these yes, definitely so um the text that has been released today morning uh, the gga text uh, global goal of adaptation text um what are some of the shortcomings i mean it's been a long time like you said you know, it took over two years for us to come till here what are some of the shortcomings in it that you feel uh, i think um, you know i'll focus on the finance aspect of it because you know i work uh, more in climate finance yeah but um, the uh, while they have given some commitments in terms of you know um the uh, the uh, increasing the funding for adaptation uh, more, putting in more concessionary finance grants and so on but there is no clarity on who will do the funding right mm. uh, whether it will be the the ones who are most responsible for the condition we are in the countries the developed countries uh, or is it equally shared it has to be the one uh, the developed countries which do more of the funding and which will be the agency or uh, the 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 global body which will which will uh, you know uh, which will take in all these funds uh, what will be the 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 implementation mechanism uh, what what are adaptation projects right the 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 taxonomy of that is not uh, is has to be worked upon um and how do you actually measure right so again when you define then you come to measurement yes so that again the targets which have been set for measurements etc it's quite relaxed if you ask me so um they have to encourage countries to define their adaptation projects adaptation goals um uh, and also measure it consistently uh, so that we know which areas to work upon in different countries Th- this can't be driven at a global scale alone it has to be individual countries individual states even ulbs panchayats etc which has to be it has to come up from it has to be bottom up as well mm-hmm. right so uh, the, the i think these are inadequacies which has which have to be worked upon further countries also have to individually i mean they have to uh, start working upon their uh, you know definitions and start working from a bottom up perspective in order to uh, solve this problem mm-hmm. which is adapting to climate change yes uh, so one thing uh, that you said outside uh, was very interesting um uh, the sea walls yes no no the sea walls the seva uh, you know seva. insurance that you know they have come up with for uh, you know that's how how big is the project can you maybe talk a little bit about that okay uh, so uh, the ashrok foundation has worked with seva which is a women's self help group in gujarat uh to create a parametric insurance which is focused on heat mm. right so the seva has around 30000 members and they are covered by this parametric insurance initially through grants but eventually the idea is to make it maybe copay or mm. self sustaining in some other way so a parametric insurance is basically when certain parameters are met the payout happens okay in terms of climate for example if the let's say a parametric insurance which is based on heat can be the temperature can be a parameter mm. if the day's temperature goes beyond 40 degree centigrade or something then you can say the insurance payout will happen 
So that's a parametric insurer. In this specific case in Seva, uh, it has been designed that if a certain uh, parameter is met in terms of heat, uh, in terms of humidity, etc. I'm not aware of the exact parameters. But if the woman member misses work because of that, then the payout will happen. Mm. Once the parameters are met, the payout will happen. So that is the idea. And I believe that this is a an innovative instrument and which has to be scaled up in India. Yeah. Insurance is uh, lagging in terms of uh, uh, innovations in India, right? Mm. So especially when it comes to the climate front. So I think, you know, uh, perhaps uh, the uh, IRDAI or the government can can now think about scaling up such uh, parametric insurance schemes, uh, which can uh, which is focused on adaptation, right? Uh, and you know, uh, the 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 thing is, this is replicable across the globe, mm. right? So it is not only uh, limited to India. Once we become a trend center in this, the other the global south and even uh, you know the developed nations can probably. Uh, take an example from us. You know, uh, just out of curiosity, um, farmers insurance was launched a few years back in India. There is there have been a lot of hurdles, right, in terms of the payout that the farmers get and how um, the damage is measured, who measures the damage. Uh, there's a lot of bias also that comes into it. So uh, because of that also, I feel uh, insurance as a way of adaptation is something that's a big scale project to be honest and uh, it it did not deliver the trust you know it does not deliver the trust in people take insurance and you know, replicate it like say uh, by the government in say uh, for like you said for labor who are getting impacted by heat or things like this so what do you have to say about this uh, you know how yes. do you build the trust and make sure that insurance as a uh, means of adaptation works yeah okay so that's the difference between uh, insu- uh, the mainstream insurance and parametric insurance, right? Uh, insurance, uh, okay, I'm not aware of the details of the farmer's insurance scheme, but I I would think that it is possible that the onus of proof mm. is on the farmer mm. themselves, right? So if a farmer's crop is impacted, let's say one farmer's crop is impacted, the other one's is not. The one who is impacted would have to go to the insurance agency and show that okay, this is my impact and this is how we, you know, uh, this is the damage and so on. And then the 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 actuarial measurements will happen and then the payout will happen, right? That is difficult to scale, mm. right? Whereas a parametric insurance, if you set the parameters correct, yep. uh, if you set the parameters smartly, mm. there is no correct or wrong parameters. But if you set it smartly, then it becomes easy to measure at scale, mm. right? So you have Let's say uh, crop insurance that is based on, um, you know, rainfall. Okay, if you say that if the rainfall goes above uh, 300 mm per day for a period of three days, mm-hmm. then the payout will happen automatically. The yeah. farmer does not even have to come and ask for the payout. That is innovation in finance. Exactly. So these, you can measure these. I mean, um, you you have regular measurements of rain uh, rainfall. If requires, the government can uh, can augment it by setting up more yeah. rainfall measurement stations. And so on, and then the payout happens automatically, right? Mm. So it's about reducing. See, you have to set the parameters smartly so that you reduce the cost of measurement. You reduce the and you increase the scale, mm. right? So that is the idea. Right. So what is next for global goal of adaptation? Like, what are you hoping will happen, and 
uh, what do you think will happen in this cop okay uh, so in this cop uh, you know almost the 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 uh, the statement is almost out there is only one uh yeah. point of contention which is you know uh, separate but uh, yeah. uh was, uh, what is that called the um, uh separate but same or something sorry so basically it says that the developed countries should pay more yeah right uh, rather than the developing countries which mm. is a fair position to take but the yeah. developed countries have not agreed to it yet we will know by tomorrow mm. but um in terms of future it has to be more ambitious mm. okay so let's talk about uh, you know uh, countries setting up their adaptation targets at a more micro level mm. and me- uh, setting up measurement systems evaluation systems and so on mm. uh, increasing adaptation financing mm-hmm. setting up uh, you know uh, giving specific targets mm. for raising adaptation financing and mm. deploying them mm. and so on so i hope to see more of that in the future okay mm-hmm. so you, uh, so you think the uh, te- finalized text will be out right soon uh, yeah great and then will the process roll out after that like when will we start discussing you know who who puts in how much money will that all yeah. come later before the next cop or what exactly might happen uh, good question uh, it's it's all up in the air i have no <laughs> idea i have no idea but uh look at the you can probably learn from the lnd fund mm. so there was a dedicated push loss and damage yeah, yeah loss and damage fund there was a dedicated push you know the, there was a bridge town initiative and there was a lot of pressure on uh, the parties to uh, to capitalize the fund not mm. just talk about it right mm. so that amount of dedicated pressure ha- has to be put mm. on a consistent basis in order to see more funding for adaptation as well okay. right Uh, unless you make a noise nobody is going to hear great thanks a lot for your time it was a pleasure talking my pleasure my thanks